Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 135 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And in today's episode, we're going to cover two subjects. Uh, One is uh, we're going to talk about unlisted codes and crosswalks. We got a question in that that has to uh, use the unlisted code, and the question was about uh, asking about what, how to crosswalk and what crosswalks apply. And then the second one... Uh, Mark uh, was asked as he was out and about uh, about group visits again. So we want to cover that, uh, those two items, and we will uh, we will start um, by let's just get some initial thoughts, and then uh, then we'll go into the questions. Mark, any initial thoughts on uh, on today's episode? You know, I, I guess I would have to say that as I've been popping around and. Working with different groups, it's you know one. It's it's good to be out and connected again a little bit with everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's and you know ultimately it's uh, although every uh, every group has unique issues that they struggle with, there are a lot of commonalities um, that are out there. Um, so uh, it was reinforced with you know a little bit of of how, you know, that, that community, that group sourcing and the PRS community, um, that we've developed over the years has, um, you know, we see a lot of the questions that these groups, uh, ask when I'm out, out and about that come up in the community. So, you know, checking in and, you know, double checking where you are so that you don't, uh, proliferate some, uh, institutional mistakes and you know double checking things and even me double checking rules and regulations every once in a while because things change that's you know that's just part of it you have to keep going back circling back and double checking everything so I, I, I think it's good to keep these discussions up and running and hopefully people don't hold back with the questions and comments in the community so that we can we can keep addressing these things because they're they're common well, it's uh, it seems like that's a one of the misconceptions out there that if you if you go and learn coding that you're done, <laughs> but uh, that's not true. It's there's always new things happening, new things changing. 
Uh, Ray, initial thoughts? No, I think you're onto the right track. It's uh, it's the problem we deal with is you know whether we think we know things that we don't because we do see at times misconceptions that have developed are not staying up with the times. All right. Okay, let's just dive right in. So we had a question uh, that uh, came in through the community, and uh, and Mark's been talking about the community. So if you are not a member of the community, you can join if you go to uh, prsnetwork.com forward slash 135 for episode 135, and you'll find a link to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group. That's where you'll see all these questions asked, or a lot of them. Okay, question is, do you have any suggestions for CPT code for the penis stuck in the foreign object? For example, plastic bottle on penis per the op report, op report. And the op report said tongue depressor with KY jelly placed under mouth of the bottle dorsal aspect of penis. Cast cutter utilized to make two adjacent cuts in mouth of bottle. Should I build the unlisted code? And uh, she's actually saying she's going to build the unlisted code, which is correct. But what crosswalks apply? Thank you so much. So, Mark, you want to walk us through uh, kind of the thought process of the unlisted code in the crosswalk? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we definitely don't have a, uh, <laughs> a code in CPT for removal of a foreign body attached to an appendage. Um, <laughs> well, do you remember at the Vegas <laughs> seminar? In in our Vegas seminar, we had uh, some other interesting coding scenarios uh, about you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type of coding. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> did this question come from Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it very well uh, could have. <laughs> yeah, or any college town. Um, so. <laughs> so yeah, so since we don't have a code, and that you know you're rightfully jumping immediately to the unlisted code, um, so you know the when you look at um, kind of what you do for this procedure, and and actually this it looks like this in this particular case they, they kind of they slipped um, a a protective layer in between the penis and the the bottle. And cut it. Um, you know, and what you want to do uh, in those circumstances, and with any unlisted code, is take a look at what you actually um, did um, as far as effort-wise, and then you have to start thinking about you know potential you know related services that you may or may not provide. Um, and you know, the, one of the obvious, I think crosswalks here um, would be kind of charges for um, uh, removing a, a splint or a cast, um, which is kind of the same situation. And so it might take a look and see if there's any codes out there for a cast removal. Fortunately, um, as we look at that, those particular options, uh, we, we we may not find exactly what we're looking for, but that's that's where I'd start. What are your thoughts on on how do you approach 
And what's your strategy for the crosswalk? The first thing I would look at is to be sure I was matching it to a code that had similar effort. And and if you're using any kind of equipment and so forth, why well, you want to be sure and have it to kind of match up with that. Because your code not only provides your reimbursement, but it also uh, starts the hospital on or the facility on their uh, track to finding the right code to charge as well. So effort and uh, equipment, supplies, and all of that are considerations. So can you explain a little bit more about the supplies, like why it's important for the facility uh, with an example? Well, in this case, a case cutter is not really that, uh, I mean, a cast cutter (laughs) is not really that uh, uh, expensive of a supply. But if you used other equipment, you know, laser or anything like that, why it would be important to pick a code similar so the hospital could charge for their supplies. All right. All right. Well, so I found a code. Um, 29705. Removal or bivalving a full arm or a full leg cast. Now, that's a little longer, hopefully, than the cuts that they were making. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, so the 27905. Um, it has a, <laughs> a, a non-facility fee of $63.71 and a facility fee of $45.07. And it does have associated APC and OPPS rates um, that um, are not exceptional, but um, probably fit fairly close in that effort. Now, I I would not discount it just because you're making a shorter cut here because you did have the extra work of, you know, slipping in the the actual protective device um, for the cast cutter. So I, I think a 29705 is a, is a decent crosswalk and, you know, you might want to inflate the fee a little bit, uh, but that one seems like a good, a good connect here. Yeah, certainly there seems a little more risk involved um, just because of the body part. Ray, any any other thoughts on that? Uh, no. Okay, let's move on to the second question. The second question uh, concerns group visits. Mark's been out on the road and gotten a few questions lately regarding group visits and billing. Mark, you want to share what the, what the questions are and what our what our position is? Yeah, so um, basically, as everybody's starting to get back into the swing of things after COVID and with everything expiring, I think group visits, which um, ultimately have been accepted as a good way to uh, share information with with the patients and actually helping the overall care of patients, trying to figure out how to get paid for those uh, for those visits, and um, so I, I did some poking around, and and essentially I cannot find uh, first of all a good CPT code or uh, that really fits a good a, a group visit that is covered by Medicare. Now, 
I think they're, you know, it's something that a, a private payer may be able to, or is able to create a pathway for group visits to be paid for. Um, so if you, you know, if you're thinking about group visits for a private payer, um, then, you know, I check with the private payer. Uh, we did see that there were a couple of folks that have attempted um, billing Medicare under the unlisted code for E&M, the 99499 for that group visit, um, which, of course, an unlisted code requires, requires review. Um, so that could be a pathway that you could uh, attempt to go uh, in that direction. Uh, so, you know, those would be probably the safest routes because Medicare's overall directive towards group visits has been um, very uh, non-conclusive at the at the very least. So, from a central side, so you may have a MAC that has some policies that would allow that to occur. You may not. So, I would. I'd certainly look at bulletins and see if you had anything there. I could, I could not find anything that would give us a clear pathway. So 99499 would be an option. Um, what we have seen folks do in the past that actually made some sense was um, those cases where you would do a group visit and then you would have kind of a, a separate after visit with individual patients and build those based on the NM codes. Um, so, uh, that I think is, is workable, uh, in the process if you want to go that way. And then, uh, essentially what you're doing there is, is treating the group section of it as, as an unpaid portion of the visit, but leveraging the time savings. So from a cost and time perspective, it would make sense to do that, uh, uh, across the board and and along those same lines i think there are plenty of opportunities to look at um, leveraging uh, video tools like zoom meetings town meetings things like that that you can again uh, cut your costs a little bit more uh, relative to the to uh, relative to those "Quote unquote non or free or uncompensated portions of the visit, and 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 use the video to reach more, and then set up either follow up video visits or inpatient visits to do that. And then the other thing I think leveraging uh, some of the tools that are available to you would be recording uh, a physician giving a talk that can be uh, used." to allow the patient to actually view what you're trying to say as far as the information you're trying to impart to the patient, um, making them feel like it's, you know, obviously it's coming from you, it's, it's, it's important, it's informative, fairly easy to put together those types of videos, and then uh, using that as, again, a time saver um, for, your, uh, for the rest of the encounter that you would then charge for. So uh, again, not a direct way that I see to get paid for the group visit portion of it, but plenty of ways to leverage group visits to cut down your cost time and increase the, the value 
of your time to the patient uh, and and charge the E&M visits surrounding it. Well, it sounds like, Mark, that, that uh, part of what you're saying um, around the group visits is is really understanding what you what your practice wants to accomplish and putting a plan in place that uh, accomplishes that with the group visits so if you have certain um uh, if you if you want to bring a group in and and then separate them out with individuals you know if you have that plan in place and that's part of your practice that sounds like uh, kind of the best way to do it is get together figure out how you can utilize and leverage the group visits and uh, move move forward from there. Ray, what are your thoughts on this? Well, there's a number of disease processes in urology that uh, require a lot of education. So I think it sounds intriguing to put together a group visit uh, where you can uh, – uh, do all the HIPAA stuff to be sure patients know, but there is the education portion, but then there's the sharing portion. And that, try charging that with an unlisted code once just to, to put it on Medicare's radar screen and, and make them uh, at some point in time react. And then, as Mark mentioned, hold an individual session with each of the the patients to individually determine their lab work and their diagnosis and their treatment. And with the documentation guidelines set they are today, where we're charging on medical decision-making, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bob. And I'm glad you mentioned HIPAA. Uh, I had forgotten to mention that. That is something that you want to be very careful with in group visits, making sure that you've got the appropriate paperwork in place for uh, HIPAA protection. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this episode up here. I want to thank ModMed again for sponsoring the, the podcast and want to remind you that we do have our Urology Coding Compliance and Education Network open for registration. So you can find a link to that on the podcast page at prsnetwork.com forward slash 135. Okay. Mark, final thoughts. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we're all going to have to get uh, creative. I mean, urology practices across the country are going to have to get creative to try and match the need of a growing patient population with a shortage of urologists and, and some people in case not only just a shortage of urologists, but shortage of staffs. So getting creative with telehealth, group visits, leveraging what you can, all very important. And, you know, ultimately that last piece I'll put in place is the communication between the clinical staff and your administrative staff to, to loop back to the first question and the unlisted codes is uh, is a is something you need to figure out how to effectively and efficiently drive information from one side to the other 
so that you can close the loop on everything that you do. Ray? I think that's a very important point because we do have a shortage of urologists and patients have urological problems. And you are the expertise expert in urology problems. So any way you can figure out how you can leverage your time and effort to take care of the patient's problems that are needed to keep them from having to have that problem taken care of by somebody that doesn't have your expertise is, is good. All right. Okay. That's it. That's all we got for this episode. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.